you have to have a marketing team that has the courage to do that for the benefit of the people that we serve. Because at the end of the day, it's not, it doesn't matter if we are embarrassed, if we're not embarrassed, if this breaks to the conventional rules that we've been raised, what can we say, what can we say? What matters is that in health, we have one job, that is to make people's life better. zones are so comfortable of course people have them so do teams organizations have them even brands have their own comfort zones but is it perhaps the case that stepping outside of our comfort zones intentionally regularly is perhaps one of the most important things we can do to truly connect with people with customers and reach our growth potential Today, we're chatting with the CMO and CDO of a Fortune 500 company. Welcome to Clever Tap Engage. My name is John Goodseer. And I'm Peggy Ann Saltz, and together we profile executives and companies achieving meaningful, memorable, and clever customer engagement. In this episode, we're chatting with Patrizia Corsi. She is Chief Marketing Officer and Digital Officer at Bayer, Bayer, and previously she worked at Sony. Kraft, Unilever, Heineken, a number of major brands and achieving a number of major milestones because throughout her career, she received many honors, including FE Advertiser of the Year, the 2020 Ad Latina Award, and the 2021 Ad Week Top 30 CMO. Really interesting, however, in addition to the achievements, is the empathy as part of the Unstereotype Alliance. Patrizia is a strong supporter of women and diversity in business, and I am so excited to welcome you, Patrizia. Welcome to our show. Thank you very much. It's wonderful to be here. We are pumped to have you. Uh, let's start here, Patricia. On your LinkedIn, you say you do at least one thing a week to make yourself uncomfortable. Why? The first thought I had is why not? right? Um, what do I have to gain versus what do I have to lose? And by the way, my I'm on my three weeks uncomfortable because I'm, I'm learning how to do cross-stitch at the moment. Um, but I think simply put is, uh, you know, I like to keep myself fresh. Um, I think it honors the values of courage, openness, that I've always learned and, and curiosity that I talked a lot, uh, you know, at home with my husband and my son and not only with our teams, because the values, they go across, right? From your house to, to your office and, and backwards. Um, but I think one of the things is, is specifically in the area of marketing, I think it helps to keep you grounded and the ego at check at the door at whole time. Because when you keep yourself uncomfortable, this means that you are opening yourself up to be vulnerable and do things that you are not good at. That, uh, um, like, you know, I've, I try to learn ukulele. I'm really bad with musical instruments. <laughs> My husband is wonderful. He, you know, whatever he picks in his mind, he learns by himself. So it was very vulnerable, very uncomfortable. But it grounds you a little bit because this is an area when you start receiving the accolades and you know, and, you know, you can start thinking that you are bigger than you are. And I think those things help me always keep myself grounded uh, and humble, proud of a lot of things that um, myself, my family, our teams have achieved, but always very humble that, you know, there is a path to go there. There's a lot of hard working and there is this sense of 
there is so much to be learned yet uh, that I find it I find it really important an important part of how I am built as a leader I'm built as a person so so yes I can see much much a much bigger list of things why I should do it and the things that why I should not do it if you can't put yourself in a situation where you're not good at something, then you're never going to try something new. And if you're never going to try something new in the world that we're in, I mean, it is all about trying new things. And that's about brands and marketing teams as well, right? I mean, there's so many new things, whether that's privacy, whether that's new technologies, whether that's metaverse, whatever it is. How do you apply this same philosophy to your brand and your marketing team? As I mentioned before, I think the, there is a, a line that goes from home to office and from office to home. I find it very difficult to be different people, right? So you have different intensities maybe, but the same, the same values, the same core. For example, curiosity, I, I think it's a fundamental value and a fundamental piece of skills and capability for a marketeer. Uh, if you want to better serve the people with our brands, the customer with our brands, you need to have a minimum level of curiosity to know what is what is that I can do, what is that this brand can do to make a need untapped and unmet need, to make that situation better, to present fun, to present pleasure, to bring people closer together, or to do very simple things like cleaning the house. You know, there's the beautiful thing about brands is is that you can go from something that can you know, how can you transform something that looks very meaningless to very meaningful? Uh, and how can you really, by understanding the role that your brands play into people's life, uh, by deliver something that is unexpected and it's a wonderful experience. I, I tell you one simple thing from, from um, our house. Um, I'm Brazilian, so I've, I've lived most of my life in Brazil and half of my professional life outside of Brazil now. But there is a smell of the house that for me means that I'm home. And it's, it's very difficult to explain. But I remember I've lived in one country um, where that specific brand of fabric conditioner and laundry detergent didn't exist. And suddenly I could not feel at home. Wow. Because when I go to bed, my, my linen doesn't smell like home. My towels do not smell like home. Um, and I did the crazy thing of importing laundry detergent and fabric softener <laughs> into Mexico. But, but sometimes by being curious to understand, there is always a story behind this. And this is what fascinates me for the past 25 years about this craft. I absolutely love this part that you... It doesn't matter what's your brand, it doesn't matter what's your industry. There is always a great potential to make someone experience uh, different, better, bigger. I have to say I really love that because it's talking about what brands are and we've looked at that a lot, John, you know. We've had people who say it's all about the logo and we've had people such as Roger Rajamanar, you know, brands need to embrace audio, even, even smell made me think of it just now. There's so much to do in business as a CMO, and you have hundreds of businesses within Bayer, you know, health and wellness, but it's largely about that vertical, and that vertical faces some unique challenges. What are some of the challenges? 
you face in the health tech wellness healthcare verticals. I have the pleasure to work with Raja in the WFA, uh, oh. where we really work together to, to drive you know, benefits from the industry, from diversity and inclusion to data privacy and, and, and brand safety. So it's a pleasure to, to hear his name. Um, look, when I was deciding to come to this industry, uh, I was looking at this through the eyes of not every household in the world maybe will have a beer brand. Every household in the world will have people that have something where we can potentially improve their health daily. I find it very difficult that you have a house where people never had a headache or a cold or a skin issue or a diarrhea. Yeah? So we are going to start talking about taboos very soon. So let me just break the ice with that. Um, so, Done. Wow. Being uncomfortable, so this is your test of being uncomfortable. I will bring it a couple more uh, in the middle of the way. So I found it super exciting because it's an industry that is not well known by using creativity, using really strong foundations of brand building to bring the, the people that we serve into this journey with us. And the consequence is that we perpetuate our habit that is to be reactive about our health. Fast forward to COVID, we were all very scared. Health, vaccines, science start being part of the dinner table conversation. And suddenly we see this opportunity to bring this conversation to the table, but not the way it was done before. Because to your question, Peggy, one of the biggest barriers in this industry is this legacy of coming from a pharmaceutical view where there is no conversation with the consumers, only with the doctors. And everything is about product delivery and science and not about the whole story of the brand, the educational bit. And again, using COVID as, as a reference, when if you look at the search, um, the search peaks for Google when, when COVID starts, Everyone was looking, how do I boost my immunity? So suddenly that thing that, you know, people, I know I can have uh, orange juice, a vitamin C or this. Suddenly people realize that it's much more complicated. Is your sleep, is your eating habits, is your exercise habit. But as an industry, what have we done in the past I don't know, 50 years to tell people that by taking this package, you will increase exponentially your life. So I think this was the first barrier, that there was this legacy of lack of creativity, lack of engagement, I dare to say lack of excitement, um, which is the, the side of the probably challenge. The second one is that challenge of the regulatory, is that challenge of the restrictions. Um, I've always, one of the things that I always liked about marketeers and, and great marketing stories well told, right? Um, is that we work better with constraints. My best campaigns, my best innovation were never the ones that had the best budget or the biggest budget. They were the ones where I had probably the smallest team, the lowest amount of money, but there was a conviction and a passion there was unbeatable and unstoppable. So 
I've joined this because of that, because I look at through I look at those things, the challenges of regulatory, the challenges of a legacy, not brand focus, not consumer focus, not customer focus, and it excited the, the heck out of me. So I've um, I was I was hooked and and here I am. <laughs> <laughs> Here you are, absolutely making us uncomfortable, and I I, I know it's going to get more uncomfortable. But before we get there, um, you're talking about a massive vision. Um, you are also part of a massive company, but healthcare is very personal. It's very individual, right? How are you treating people as individuals, and how are you using technology? I mean, like I've got the smart ring, I've got the smart watch, I've, you know tracking fitness i'm mm. actually starting to record what i eat all this other stuff right so how do you take that big vision and this massive company with hundreds of business units and talk to somebody as an individual treat them as an individual and give them exactly what they specifically need so the first way is through uh, an inorganic way to acquisitions of business. So we have acquired a couple of business on direct to consumer, a couple of e-commerce focused business, and this is one way that you do that. Um, the other way that we are doing that through our digital transformation program is really focusing on the lighthouses of precision, programmatic, how do we use data to really help the consumers to understand the better solutions for their health. Um, one of the things that we have done, for example, we made, it, made an investment, a C-series investment on a company that is called Ada Health, that uh, if you look online, if you want to do, I have symptoms, I want to understand what I have. They have, for example, ratings that are very similar to doctors. In the, in the world that we were living, where people were afraid to leave the house, because of their you know, chances of getting contaminated with COVID or something else, this is a massive service for the consumer. This is a really massive service for the consumer. So this helps us to understand and also to develop our innovation because of course we use the data, what is happening? Because with COVID, for example, eye um, illnesses have increased a lot, tired eyes, too much screen, etc. So those data, they give us information that can help us also to prioritize and do a bit, I'm going to call mass precision from an innovation point of view, but also the data from media allows us to do precision from a content point of view in terms of creativity. So on that one, we really doubled down and we are now, uh, I'm very proud of the team because we are now best in class on this. And we are now not, you know, serving any content to someone that is not pregnant about our pregnancy vitamins, <laughs> which in the past had happened a lot, right? So if someone is constipated, I'm serving them something for diarrhea, you know, it's probably very aggravating. Yeah. So these are the things that in the past you didn't have, you know, I, I, I go back and I remember the best thing in life, you had to do four things, TV, outdoor, print and radio. This was the things you had to do as a marketeer. Now, you know, you have the personas, you have all the understanding on the different areas where you can approach, they have communalities and it's very exciting, but it's also very complex. So we are, we are navigating into this through these two things, acquiring some companies that we find really exciting and also internally 
really having very strong foundations on the precision and programmatic. Thinking about the the relevancy in the creative and how important that is and how important it is to grasp that, you know, creatives motivate consumers, but you do it with attitude. <laughs> you are not afraid to break the taboos. You said it a couple times already. We completely believe you. You are disruptive and a perfect example is Vagina University. When I read about that, when I saw the clips and everything, I thought, wow. And not only that, you target young women using TikTok to do it. Tell us about that combination, the results, and also rewriting a couple rules at TikTok, I understand. Uh, yeah, I'm super excited about this program because this program represents two things that I, I absolutely adore again about this, this platform uh, that being a CMO gives me. So first um, is the courage to do things that matter, not just for the sake of doing things, but they matter, right? So uh, when we went to understand the consumer and being curious about women, we discovered that one of the reasons that they were not getting the proper treatment in some cases on intimate vagina health is because they were so embarrassed to be in front of that shelf that said trash, that said anything related to their vaginas, that they would pick the first thing that had a flower on it. Uh, so how do you help them to understand how to treat themselves and etc and look i come from quite a conservative country and i if if as a younger uh, a younger i would say the word vagina in my house my mouth would be washed with soap for sure so even in the meeting myself i had to to break the internal personal taboo now i say vagina like it's rice but it, it was difficult <laughs> It was really difficult, um, but it's so true, though. It's around, it's so, huh? I'm laughing. It's so tr it's so true. We got a really powerful piece of data saying the following: less than fifty percent of women in the UK, in Brazil, or any other country with their gynecologist, they will not mention the word vagina. So, if in the you know in the confined confidential place that you have with your doctor, you don't feel confident to talk about this, how you're going to get better, how you're going to live your life to the full potential. So we said, okay, we have to break this. And first start with us. So first we made ourselves uncomfortable. We got, we got on with that. So we knew that we wanted to break the taboo. We have a process in Bayer that um, is something that I started doing in my days at Heineken that is called Creative Unleash. Our partners come with ideas that uh, there is no briefing, but it's for the sheer love of our brands and knowing our strategic objectives and our consumers. And one of our partners, uh, um, an agency called Analog Folks from the UK, they said, I have something here that is called Vagina Academy. And, uh, and it started with Vagina University, uh, Vagina High, Vagina High, I think it started. I said, look, High and Vagina, I think probably is a bit too much, but uh, two taboos at once. <laughs> I said maybe you know in the U.S. would be immediately people would get that is high school, but outside of the U.S. maybe not that much. So then it was transformed to Vagina Academy, but the first barrier started in the meeting. So I, I was immediately hypnotized. I was very uncomfortable. You know, I was very very uncomfortable. But I was hypnotized. Why this makes me so uncomfortable? Why? why 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 and then someone from the team said 
this looks great. This is exactly what we need to do. Can we change the name? And at that point, I said, that's it. We can never change the name because the name is what drives people to that stopping power to say, okay, let me talk about that. Um, and then, of course, wonderful partnership. Uh, we go to Brazil um, and, and it was, you know, the, the country team really embraced that idea. That's why we went there. And then the first thing we faced was a big issue with TikTok because they, they really wanted to do it. But they said, wow, but this word is, is censored in our platform. We cannot talk about uh, the word, you know, they have to put a four, you know, but it's going to be censored. So it's okay, no, we have to change this. And, and then it was a, an amazing partnership with TikTok that we have also in Asia, in, in many other campaigns. Uh, and they censored the word vagina on TikTok. We have a fantastic set of uh, influencers and, and teachers because this is all about education for women uh, that really represent uh, the diversity of Brazil, which is fantastic and amazing. So then we moved to Italy because this program is moving to more and more countries. And again, we had censorship in Meta. And again, this campaign was able to, to take it out. And this is the role of brands, which I absolutely adore because brands can do that. Brands can go there and say, that's why we need to de-censor these words because this helps to educate people that without that, they will not be able to get that education. So, so this, is, this is one of the ones that I really love and I'm super excited because it's coming to the UK, it's coming to Italy and more countries to come, but it's, it's really an exciting one. People are conservative. People avoid risk. Brands avoid risk. Companies and marketers avoid risk. And for somebody to have, um, shall I say, the balls <laughs> to do something that steps outside of those boundaries and to take that risk and to go for something to, to make it special. That one moment where somebody told you, I love this. We need this. We have to change the name. And you said no. That's a huge moment. That's a huge moment. And that moment changed everything. There is something that transpire and inspire the rest of the team to be bold and to try. And, and again, to the discussion we were having before about trying new things, um, you will never know how far you can get. You will never know how beautiful it is. You will never know how different it is. If, if you don't try things and you make mistakes. And I think this is one of the most important things that we, we, have we have explored and we have seen in this journey. That is, it completely unlocked the courage of the team. Because of course, after that, then we just have, for example, in the US right now, one campaign that is called Workstipation. And it comes from the inside that when people were in lockdown, one of the things they appreciate the most is that they could do number two by themselves in peace, right? So it's the inside. There were so many people tweeting. The best thing of not being in the office is that I can poo in peace. And we <laughs> we're breaking all the boundaries now, Peggy. <laughs> I found this a tremendous insight. So that as people are coming back to the office, this is an important function of your body. You need to pull. 
So we created, you know, the team in BPDO created this. It's uh, like um, posters that you, you roll out, you take to the toilet with you, and then you can cut. And you can, in the US, you have those, those gaps where you can see people doing their stuff. So you can cover the feet. There is one part that has, you know, a scent that by doing this, there is a flower scent that comes out. But you, you have to have a marketing team that has the courage to do that for the benefit of the people that we serve. Because at the end of the day, it's not, it doesn't matter if we are embarrassed, if we're not embarrassed, if this breaks to the conventional rules that we've been raised, what can we say, what can we say? What matters is that in health, we have one job, that is to make people's life better as much as we can. We are not doctors. We are not, uh, you know, discovering the cure for cancer or anything like that. We are about the things in life that are afflicting people every day. I want to stay with that important feeling of the impact, the journey. I mean, you're doing a great job in awareness and you're making us aware here right now as well. You know, I'm thinking about how someone described one of your campaigns, you know, it's gone from countering body shame to badassery. I mean, there's no question that you have our attention. Can you just unpack a little bit about how you drive the deeper funnel engagement, you know, the actions, the brand loyalty, the the retention? Yeah, and 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 it's it's always the debate in marketing, right? The long term versus the short term. Uh, you know, we had so many papers written, you know, about the importance of the the brand building, brand equity. But then the countries feel pressure to deliver on the short term. So I think this is a, a, a big debate. Um, so I, I have a couple of mentors. First, of course, we always in health even even bigger. We, we need to do the right thing for the people that we serve. And it has to be, and the people that we serve are a couple. So we serve our business because our business they foster the economic um, the economic development in many areas. Uh, we serve our customers. We serve the people, the normal people like us. Yeah. So I think this is the first thing. We need to make sure that we are not too visionary on things because the problems are happening right now. Yeah. And the mentality has, and it's almost like um, uh, a Tetris, right? It, it goes one and it has to fit the other. So the first mentality is we should move from product only to product plus service, product plus um, digital connection, right? So product plus ecosystem. So this already changed the mindset. So you have a, you have a foot on the present and another foot on the future. So let me give you a simple example with aspirin that is a now product, especially for the countries where we have a recommendation on heart health. We have something on the now for people that have heart problems that help them to manage with a new, uh, with a new ecosystem too. But we also have campaigns, for example, like the tiny pocket or the smallest uh, health kit in the world, which reminds people that by having an aspirin with you in your pocket at all times, you can save a life. And, and one of our ambassadors that, we, by the way, was not paid because this is him telling the story of his life. It's Antonio Banderas, where he says that he was saved 
because he got an aspirin under his tongue when he had a heart attack. Um, wow. So these are things that, you know, you raise the awareness and then you say, okay, you can push people to go to the doctor. You can educate them. They say, oh, maybe I'm not exercising. Maybe I'm not eating well. Let me, how was my cholesterol on my, on my annual checkup? And then of course we keep delivering services and benefits, education, benefits, innovation, services, because this helps people to continue on the regiment. And it's my belief that you stick with the brands that care more about you, that stick with you, that do innovation that serves an need. When there is this disconnect, Peggy, and I think this is a lot of the discussions we have about this wave of purpose, that everyone is doing purpose and suddenly only purpose matter, is when some marketeers think, oh, yeah, I know what's missing. I need a purpose campaign. And, and it, doesn't, it doesn't happen like that, right? So normally I find that the best way to find the purpose of a brand is to go back to the archives. And, and if, the per, if your purpose, and again, doing a purpose campaign to revert the sales drop is only serving one master of the three that I discussed. You're just looking for the growth for the business. You're not looking at your customers. You're not looking at your consumers. So this is how we, we look at this. Of course, each brand is different uh, because it has different channels. Different countries have different connections with the consumer. But mainly what we try to do is the following. First, improve the habit and change this habit of reactive to proactive. And this is, for example, just bringing another one in, why we are going into gamings with vitamins. Because the best way to explain to you, I have a young adult at home, 13 years old. There is no better way to connect with him about the subject then is to say let me explain how this works to you in video game terms and then we start building this you know more future facing looking but on the short term we have super exciting campaigns we have innovation we have better taste for the vitamins we have better formats more convenient so is that combination that in this industry is quite tough because the lead times are much longer than I was used in confectionery, confectionery every three months I would have a new flavor. So it has to be really well planned and oiled to, to be able to deliver against that. We've talked a lot about where you, where you come as a brand. You're also breaking some mold and breaking some boundaries and looking at metaverse. That's interesting to me because we're increasingly digital beings. We we're communicating right now digitally. People who are listening or watching are in the metaverse point oh one or something like that right now and connecting digitally. What's that mean for health brands in the future? And, and what's that mean for you? What we are doing today is to make sure that this is not the flavor du jour, that we ever, okay, we need to be on the metaverse. It's very, doing the basics is super unsexy, but it's the most important thing for the day in, day out. This is how you build consistency and trust in your brands with the people that matter the most. The flavor du jour, we have to be careful because it's metaverse here, it's crypto there, it's something else, etc. So. Our rule of thumb is we will experiment, but someone will experiment and then we'll share the learning with everyone. So we are much more looking towards um, the experience that it's 
metaverse within gaming like many many things we have seen within gamings because we believe that we have products that can serve a purpose there uh, we don't outside of this we find that it's probably not yet something that we found what's the place but through gaming we believe there is something in there uh, we are also very cognizant that there are a lot of things on privacy and brand safety that we need to take care of um, each day you hear something different that is happening on discord uh, or roadblocks etc that we're always be deemed as quite safe so we need to balance that out. So still to come, I'm, I'm not going to review a lot because Creative Unleashed also brings idea on Meta. But what I can guarantee to you is that we are not going to have a thousand uh, blooming flowers. We are going to pick one. See if it's exciting, maybe it's sound. Um, who knows? Uh, maybe we, we meet together again and I will tell you about what's the next phase. Love it. I sort of bet, John, she's going to disrupt the metaverse, don't you think? <laughs> we'll see. I have that feeling. I have that feeling. Well, I hate to do it, but we have to start coming to a close. And we ask all of our guests their golden rule of retention. So I ask you the same. Oof, I, I thought about this uh, long and hard and... Um... I think it's it's always paying attention and caring and being curious. Never, never get to a point where you think, I know, I know this person. Uh, I know how they think. This is what they need, and you go. And I think the retention is. I think it's like relationships. I've, as someone that is not uh, a, a, a native English speaker, I love analogies because it helps me to tell a story, right? So I look at this retention as, as dating. You know, you, have, you don't see someone and marry them. You go get to know them, you see the best in them, you see the worst in them, but there's always something that connects you. And I think this is the retention is this thing about the brand and the person that is always connecting them, that can be what we offer from a science point of view, can be what we offer from what is the good that we bring to their lives, because sometimes relieving a pain is not the physical pain, you're just enabling someone to live a life fully. So this is where I believe the retention comes. Retention comes from always being caring, being curious about it, and never take it for granted that you have it. Let's go to the next one. It has been amazing. It has been wonderful. Uh, Peggy, take us away here. How do you feel after having this conversation? I feel as if my eyes have been opened in some direction. <laughs> uh, retention, I'm hearing it. You know, it's not a given. Keep working at it. I am also hearing, though, however, you know, be on, make make yourself challenge yourself be a little bit uncomfortable um and get to sort of love uh what, what i never loved john you know sort of the unknown so absolutely thank you both for the show i think <laughs> absolutely absolutely love it thank you so much patricia thank you very much it's a pleasure to be here i have to say i had a lot of fun thank you for making this such a welcoming environment uh for, for someone like me, a Brazilian lost in Switzerland, working in healthcare, <laughs> doing their best uh, with the team to, to help people life every day. So thank you very much for this. 
Thank you, Patricia. I have to add, we talk about making experiences memorable. That's what the show is about. You have completely fit the bill. Thanks so much for sharing. And for our audience, if you've been watching the video, hey, we also publish this in an audio podcast, which is easy to consume on the go, on the train, in the plane, wherever you are. And if you happen to be on the audio version, you know what? You can see us, which is amazing, incredible for some of you, I guess. Search for us on YouTube to chill, watch us whenever you want. This podcast is about finding the world's best marketers and getting their top tips. And we focus on major brands with big stories to tell. So if you fit the bill, DM John or me on Twitter or LinkedIn, and we'll set you up with a show of your own. Until then, this is Peggy Ann Saltz. And this is John Kutzier for Clever Tap Engage.